0: Seize Your Mind, the podcast about soccer, mental toughness, and life. I'm your host, Brandon Stone. Today we have my good friend, John Michael Waite. Did I pronounce that right? Wait. Yep, yeah, Wait. Okay. I thought, so. John Michael, I played with him back in 2004-ish, 2003-2004 for a little bit at uh, Northeastern State University under Charlie Mitchell. Um, right now, he is the Co-Director of Futsal for Tulsa Soccer Clubs and the ECNL, ENCL D- Director of NCML of Player Development. I get that right? Yeah. yeah. Good. Okay.
1: John, thank you for coming. Yeah.
0: How are you What's doing today?
1: Up? I'm awesome, buddy. Awesome. Thanks for having me. How are you?
0: Good. Good. It's a, good. It's a yeah. great pleasure to see you and talk to you. I always love our, yes. our conversation. So.
1: Yes, man. I, me too. I'm glad um, to be here.
0: So let's, uh, let's start from the beginning. Tell me about yeah. how you got involved in soccer as a kid and um, just paint that picture for me, what that looked like.
1: Wow, how I got in soccer as a kid. Uh, well, that's interesting because, you know, where I uh, am from, the part of Tulsa where I'm from, soccer is not really big, you know. Uh, so I grew up in North Tulsa, so basically – uh. It was basketball and football and wrestling where I was. So, uh, you know, the first time that I really was ex- exposed to soccer were was kids showing up to school. Uh, there was this – well, actually, I say kids. There was one kid that showed up to school and had patches on their shorts. And there were little soccer ball patches. And I wondered, man, that looks so cool. What is that? You know, like I don't even know that I'd ever seen a soccer ball before. And uh, I was probably five years old or six years old, but I remember vividly. And I wanted those shorts and I wanted the, those soccer ball patches. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I kind of did my little kid thing about from five and, uh, you know, and we wrestled and we played just like regular kids. And, and then there was a flyer in my elementary that there was going to be a North Tulsa team. And, uh, and I took it home and I asked, you know, can I please try this? And they're like, "What? You know, we nobody in my family knows anything about soccer, so uh, yeah." But they fortunately, God, you know, God intervened and put me, uh, got me there, to that, uh, to that little team, and that's where it all started. We were called the Bears, the
0: and, Bears,
1: uh, the Bears, yeah, and uh, it was awesome. You know, that's uh, that's where it started, and I immediately, immediately was head over heels for the game. I loved it instantly, um, and, I, and I never stopped, from five or six years old, um, and uh, ever, you know, ever since then, my, uh, you know, in classrooms as a little kid in the elementary, all my elementary writings have something to do with soccer, so it's pretty oh, nice. pretty neat to look back and, and see how ate up I was with it. So back then, did you
0: get access to um, watch it on TV anywhere, because I know, Yes. Wasn't, dream, you know?
1: no no nothing you know uh nothing early on uh i would get a little bit of a little bit of domingo deportivo on uh sundays you know like i would get to see that and and that was incredible to me so a lot of my game as a little kid was very very south american uh primarily. that's all i saw So in terms of the the trickery and the savviness, that's kind of how I grew up seeing it. And then I saw, you know, the German League would be on occasionally, occasionally. Uh, But, you know, my dad had the presence of mind uh, really early to go to the library. And he would go to the library and he would rent or, you know, check out uh, games, full games. And so he would bring these games back and – on the
0: VCS,
1: VCS. He would bring these home like World Cup highlights, stuff, names that I had no access to, uh, you know, goals of, you know, goals of the World Cup, you know, the history of the game. Uh, those were the ones that I watched over and over and over. So I started getting introduced to players. And then as I got older and the game became more accessible, I recorded everything. So, I mean, I would be able to watch as much as I wanted to. It wasn't necessarily recent. But I, but I was able to access the game, uh, kind of secondhand, and it, it it wasn't what it is now. But I made it work, you know, as best we could. Yeah,
0: that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, you did what you had to do. Yeah. Uh, resourceful too of your dad. So.
1: Yes, yeah, super, super. I mean, I because you know he he wasn't a uh, soccer guy by any stretch of the imagination. He knew nothing about it. So I think in a way it was a blessing that he wasn't because he didn't even attempt to teach me anything <laughs> you know, he just he just put he he knew library was a resource and so we went and i'm sure he just checked out as much soccer as he could and uh you know i am extremely grateful because i mean he got uh coaching videos videos for coaches to teach and i would watch those videos and i would do all the, the exercises on my own i loved it you know to me it was never it was never never training it was never work i just saw it was like a coloring book for another kid, I guess. And I would just go watch the videos and go outside and immediately all day, that's all I did.
0: Awesome, yeah. so did you
1: ever get shorts with the, the patches? You know what? <laughs> I do not think I ever got a patch. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, that's, that's a really funny question. No, I don't think I ever did. I think once I actually got into it and I actually understood what it felt like to score a goal, uh, or to you know to be out there and competing i think my uh my desire for the patches quickly turned to my desire to score goals <laughs> Gosh,
0: gotcha. is that what those patches were for for goals yeah, well, come, come, come to
1: find out the kid had scored some goals and the, they they scored a goal and they would get a patch you know or they would have the season on their arm you know like spring you know whatever it is 19 you know oh. the- you know what I'm saying? So they would have these patches that meant something. The longer they'd been on the team, the more goals they'd score. So it was pretty That's neat. a cool idea, it, it's, a, it's, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. And I've actually used that in, for some of my teams in the past, some of my younger teams, and they love it. You know, they just any, any of those types of incentives that they can get, you know, but it, it worked. It actually attracted me to the game, and uh, you know, without even having any, uh, anything invested at all. So and you didn't even
0: see the game being played, you just saw the shorts. I, that's just what saw that
1: pa- I just saw those patches, yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome.
1: that's crazy.
0: So then uh when you got to high school, uh were you tell me about that what was it like in high school for you? And um,
1: Yeah. So high school, uh you know, high school by this time, uh I had um you know, really falling in love with the game. You know, I knew this is really what I wanted to do and whether it be at the college level or the professional level, I knew that this is, you know, where I really, where I wanted to, uh, to, uh, to pursue, uh, you know, for us, it was different because we didn't really have clear pathways. You know, it was, it was, we were just figuring it, literally figuring it out as we go. You know, there were no agents, there was no, you know, uh, ECNL leagues to playing against the top competition or development academy. There wasn't, these things didn't exist. So we were just Oklahoma kids just trying to beat each other and some, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, and we, we got as good as we possibly could not necessarily because we were doing anything right, just because we played a lot, you know, we like to play. Do
0: you remember so, a, a favorite game in high school that you can, like one of those highlight games
1: or a favorite goal? Yeah, but not, not a goal in particular. Um, you know, I was pretty fortunate to have got to score quite a few goals. In, uh, but I, I remember uh, one that was pretty special to me. It's random because it wasn't anything necessarily important. But I had gone on a uh, quite a long streak, you know, of consistently scoring PKs. And uh, interesting how I got to shoot PKs was a player that was an amazing player on my high school team. Uh, we had a deal is you know if if you shoot the penalty and you make the penalty you you continue to shoot the penalty you don't you know as long as you make it you continue well sadly for him fortunately for me he missed his first penalty and uh, and and I got to take him ever since so like I just went on a on a on a rampage of scoring penalty (laughs) so that padded my stats you didn't want
0: to lose your spot
1: no, 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 no. So uh, so anyways, I ran into a kid that was a, a goalkeeper from a school that had saved like four consecutive penalties. So it was interesting to get to go head-to-head. And, and if I, if there was a penalty in this game, it was going to be, you know, kind of a, a little side, you know, a, a side storyline. And so anyways, I ended up – fortunately, I ended up scoring the penalty, and it, it was fun. I just remember that. But, I mean, our high school team was great we we won a couple of state championships and we had Michael Ansien, uh Court Moffitt, uh Takuma Robinson, uh boy, Sunday Olase, Emerson Aguilera, um you know we had uh Ben Perrine, you know a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of great names, you know uh guys that I really to have the the amount of talent that we had in uh, and one team was crazy. And, of course, Michael Lentzian was in that team, too. So, I mean, you're talking about a squad. It was a pretty good team, a great time.
0: Yeah. That's cool. How did you get into um, the college at Furman in South Carolina?
1: Yeah. So, when I, I got re- – so, I was playing, uh, you know, by this time I was kind of within the U.S. youth system. So, uh, uh, you know, I had some opportunities to go play in various places around the country to you know, represent kind of our region and, and ultimately trying to get into the national team. So, you know, the higher you go, the more people get to see you, uh, the more exposure you get. And so I had been get, kind of getting tracked by a couple of coaches from the East Coast, and uh, ultimately they pulled the trigger on me uh, from a t- showcase they saw me again in Dallas. I guess he had told me that they had been following me for a few years, and, uh, and they ended up pulling the trigger. Uh, you know, I had some great coaches that put me in good positions all the time. You know, I just feel like so, so blessed with the coaches that I had, uh, where they put, they always put me in a situation to, to, uh, to succeed, you know. So uh, I had some opportunities and fortunately I played well and, and they, uh, and they offered me out, out at Furman. So it was a great opportunity, huge school, big, big soccer school. How many years were you there? I was there two, two years. And then two Two yeah, years. And, Oklahoma. Yeah. Then I just transferred back, um, to Oklahoma, uh, had, you know, a, a couple of nagging injuries and, uh, you know, it's one of those kind of fork in the road type of life moments of whether or not I should have stayed at Furman or gone. And then it, anyways, long story short, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening at home. And I felt like being at home by my, with my family was the best situation for me in hindsight. Maybe I would have done things differently, but, uh, you know, I came home, um, initially I transferred it back into, to University of Tulsa. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, things just didn't, uh, you know, it was, it didn't, uh, hit the way that I thought it was going to. And it ended up being that, uh, NSU made an offer and, uh, for me to go back in and finish my schooling. And, and it ended up being a great situation. I had a lot of fun at NSU, met some amazing guys like yourself thank and, you, thank you. you know, and Coach Charlie and, uh, you know, Austin Greenhall and uh, you mean it's just, some, just some amazing guys up there. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, all of these experiences have just given me some uh, very unique perspectives. And, you know, ultimately, I'm just really, really grateful for those, for all those opportunities.
0: One of the other things I remember about you at NSU was your music. Yeah. Tell yeah. me tell me about that.
1: So yeah, I did uh yeah, I mean I still in, still love music, you know. Today, you know, I've always been very really curious about music. My dad was a musician, my mom is a musician. Um so music has always been part of my life, you know. So I was always making music, recording music. Um and there was a time where I really wanted to pursue that. But uh probably had a little more talent in sports than I did (laughs) and so uh you know I I, eventually you have to you know you have to go with with what you're what you're with with what you're good at and what you're passionate about but uh yeah I mean today my my both of my daughters are highly involved in music uh singers and piano and guitar and my wife is uh, amazing on the piano and and I still tinker I don't have as much time but I I uh I'm an avid music player and And uh, music, I would say connoisseur. I love music. Awesome,
0: awesome. All right, so then you go to, was it Revolution first or what next?
1: So yeah, so when I was kind of still, you know, still trying to figure out what I, you know, what I was gonna do with the game in terms of playing. uh, And, you know, by this time coming out of school, uh, I just had my first daughter. So that kind of, you know, I had pretty much made a decision fairly early on that I was not gonna leave. Oklahoma. So like, I just decided I was going to stay here and see. So what any team that was in Oklahoma, I was going to shoot for it. You know, uh, there was not a lot of opportunities at this time. I mean, it was uh, roughnecks, obviously, which is a, a great thing, but it wasn't quite, you know, to where it is now to where now you, there's energy on Oklahoma city. There's, there's FC Tulsa here. Uh, so there's just a lot of opportunities, especially for young kids. And I started off playing with the older guys at roughnecks uh, And again, met some amazing players. Um, Started off as a fan, you know what I mean? Just, uh, you know, the guys that came through with Toma Ondafar and uh, Victor Moreland, uh, you know, Sean Slater at that time, you know, was a great player there. Uh, Some, you know, some just some amazing players from here. So I, you know, I got my feet wet in there with those guys getting absolutely roasted and getting battered to death. (laughs) Uh, but, you know, earning some stripes and figuring out where that was. And then by the time the, the revolution came along, uh, you know, my playing days were really behind me, you know. It was starting to get to the point to where I had been introduced to coaching because, I, you know, we only were making a very small amount of money playing. So very small. So uh, it was nice to, you know, to play to play for somebody that wants you to play for him, but you have to pay bills and uh so I was already starting to coach when revolution came around uh it was a short time of playing and then nc and, uh Michael ncon uh you know uh, invited me to be his assistant for a while there and so I did that for a while uh and uh, great another great experience but uh and that was soon, the indoor team right? yeah, and soon it turned into uh just full time coaching you know what I mean like uh it's it's so Man, if I could still play, I would still play. I mean, I still absolutely just love to play. I mean, I love to play, but you know, things change, and you know, you're not, you can't do what you once did, and so now you do. Get, I'm equally as passionate about coaching. That's the that's the best part. Is that fortunately I can kind of, I can kind of throw throw that out the window and just say, okay, well, let me be passionate about something else, and it and it and it serves its purpose. I would say, yeah. You
0: can still play vicariously
1: yeah
0: exactly yeah cool um yeah and uh did you always see yourself think as a when you were like coming up in high school, did you always think you're going to get into coaching later or do you think yeah. you're like dead set on being a pro player and then
1: yeah Yes. <clears throat> I wish that I, you know, I hear players that knew real early that they were going to coach. And uh, man, I think that that's a, it's a blessing for those kids, for those guys and girls that know they want to coach. Uh, for me, no, you know, although it may have been subconscious because I just absolutely adored my coaches. You know, I had Steve Earl, I had Randy Waldron, uh Tony Winters, David Gordon. Um, you know, these were guys that, uh, were like, uh, you know, father figures to me. And, you know, I love them all still very much. So I wish I had to ask them some more questions on, uh, you know, being a coach. But at the time, I think I just wanted to play. You know, that's all I wanted to do. I was just ate up with playing. And I don't – I think I had very much tunnel vision. And the future didn't mean much to me. Just it was about playing playing as much as I could right then.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Did you have a, a favorite college goal or um, college yeah. moment? Yeah, so I would say my favorite, uh, at Furman, my favorite college moment, my favorite college goal was, uh, I think it was Sweet 16 against Wake Forest. Uh, maybe, maybe been, yeah, it must have been Sweet 16 against Wake Forest. Um, and, uh, yeah, scored a big goal there, assisted by a, a good friend of mine, Clint, uh, Clint Hill, uh, who's the, I think, athletic director up there at Furman now. So, uh, yeah, it's a big goal, man. It was a big crowd, important goal, uh, and just a kid, you know, just soaking it all up. It was a, it was a great experience.
0: Tell me about the goal. How would you score it?
1: Man, simple. It was uh, – I was just, you know, one of those deals. It was a hustle goal. So, you know, one of the things I've learned over time is putting yourself in the right position. Uh, and then, you know, it, sometimes it's not as hard as you think it is if you're in the right place. So. Uh, basically the 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 uh the special part about it, the goal was just getting to where i needed to be and so i just got in a in a in a way where the player that had the ball could see me easily and he just laid it off and i just left foot drove it into the corner It wasn't anything flashy but the ball went in the goal went that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah that was a it was it was it was an it was amazing to me it was a really emotional time too you know because i'm a young kid and uh I'm so far from home, you know, my, nobody gets to see me play from from Oklahoma and I'm there by myself, you know, and you know, I just remember being so grateful for the player that passed me the ball, you know, I still remember man, was just I was so there's so much emotion, I was just like thank you for giving me that pass right. and and you know. Yeah, man, it's just scoring, nothing like scoring a goal, you know, there's nothing I don't know that there's any feeling like it. Maybe don't, don't tell my wife this, but maybe childbirth, you know, like, you know, that's like that type of, that type of an uh, emotion, you know, or uh, you know, you know, getting to be, be a part of something special. It's definitely an addictive feeling. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so what was the first team you coached? Let's talk about getting into coaching.
1: Yes. First team. Uh so the very first team I coached <clears throat> was a group of boys that were born in 1995. So they would have been like, uh, uh, I don't even remember. They, they were young though. So this was at Thunder at the time. It's also Thunder. And uh, that's where I kind of got it. I think they were a fourth team. And we just, I learned a lot, you know, listened to as much as I could. and uh, And just, you know, worked on trying to hone in my craft and, you know, we got them promoted. I think the first season we lost every game. Second season, you know, we were tying some games. Like, oh, this is this is good. And then, you know, a couple of players were improving and get pulled into the second team or the first team or the third team. You know, everybody was moving up. So it made the job interesting to kind of try to rebuild each year. And uh, but eventually, you know, our little team ended up going on and winning the league, which was which was incredible. It was an incredible feeling for me. But it had a big impact on me. Uh, to be my first team and to get to see how it affected the players you know just their confidence as people to see them work for something um and uh it was really good positive reinforcement for me to see okay if you put this type of effort in you know you can be successful so it's cool to see the the fruits of your labor our, our labor uh you know the the parents were really committed and the kids were really committed you know and uh yeah it was definitely it's it's always been it's always been a team effort on everything.
0: That's that's important to, to remember that a lot of a lot of people just uh, focus on themselves and um, so just the fact that you even said that just shows you know your beliefs and how much you're able to give away control yeah. um, as opposed to just you know be so focused on yourself. So, um, that's a thing I admire in you personally. Yeah. So, um, Thanks, yeah. Um, let's fast forward to now the, the director of futsal, co-director of Futsal and the ECNL player development. How's that going? Uh, how did you get the job? Um, yeah. all that.
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, <clears throat> so the the job kind of came up through some like some side conversations that uh you know that this might be an opportunity um and uh for me uh trying to test myself um trying to push my players to test themselves uh at the highest possible level was always uh really important to me um and uh you know, when I, when I found out that this might be an, an opportunity for me, you know, I jumped on it pretty quickly. And, um, you know, uh, we have another great futsal coach with Jao uh, Jal Sabino. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, he, uh, uh, you know, working with another guy, uh, intrigued me, you know, another, another futsal person. And, um, you know, coming from legacy, I was at legacy with Shannon Henry, who, I, uh, you know, is another guy that I have a, a ton of respect for, uh, you know, so that was a tough decision to, uh, to, uh, make the move over. But, uh, but I think ultimately is a really good decision for my family and for me and, and to, you know, to continue my growth and to push myself and, and also wanted to lead my players by example. So, uh, on the futsal side, it made a lot of sense. And then on the ECNL player development side, uh, this is something that like uh, has been a goal for me for a long time because uh you know I've always felt like my maybe the the knock that I would probably give on myself one of the knocks <laughs> that I would give to myself was the the net that I cast was uh small you know so I might have an impact on ten kids or twelve kids uh, my team you know and and I felt like uh, you know we did a, 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 as best the best job that we possibly could in terms of really trying to nurture those kids and give those kids everything but it really stopped there in many ways uh to where you can't have as big an impact as you would like to have so you know TSE has given me an opportunity to uh to come in and share ideas not just for what I do but to, to uh with a with a small group but potentially to help have a bigger impact on the club as a whole um and uh and to share ideas from other great coaches and a lot of interchange of information uh but yeah so it, it's it's been good so basically what i do is i do a lot of the uh the training for uh, various teams uh, uh mostly ECNL but some that are non ECNL teams um, you know we have a lot of great MPL uh, players uh ECNL players um and, you know, uh, kids that are working their way up into those, either the NPL or the ECNL level. So, uh, yeah, it's intriguing, man. It's super, super, super exciting uh, just to be part of a part of a place where the talent is there. And we have an opportunity to, to do something for kids uh, that really want to pursue the sport um, uh, at a very high level. And kids that just are using the sport as a way to enjoy themselves, uh, which is equally as important. So basically, we just want to maximize, my goal is to maximize, and I believe our goal as a whole is to maximize each child's experience, whatever that experience is. So we want to give them that support if they're trying to go play in college or professionally or go to Europe or, or South America, whatever it is they're trying to do, we want to make that happen or give them the opportunity. If their goal is to have fun and enjoy with their friends, we want to have that available for them and support them through that in the best way but always making sure that the ultimate goal is, is uh, self-awareness confidence um, so whatever it is that they decide to do you know they're going to be equipped to, to compete whether it's in the, the job world or compete in the uh, in the game you know or, or just you know or just in just in life in general
0: yeah soccer definitely is one of the best vehicles I know of preparing someone for life
1: 100 percent a hundred percent man a hundred percent yeah
0: so speaking of confidence uh what are some things you do to help your 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 teams improve their confidence
1: Ooh, good question um you know for sure preparation you know what i mean like 100 percent preparation uh has to be at the very very front of this okay so you can tell a player, you can build a player's self-esteem, you can do all of these things, but if they are unprepared, the chances of them succeeding are probably not that good, let's be honest. Okay, So if we are preparing the player, thoroughly preparing, and I think a lot of people make the mistake of saying, of of confusing activity with preparation. So uh my opinion on the whole thing with with that is there's a huge difference between preparing a player and having a player present at a session so very much if we want to build a confident player number 1 it's going to start with uh with preparation two it's going to start with how does that player talk to themselves internally uh how does that player uh process information or negativity that's cast on them how do they how do they deal with that so um, it, it is a complete. We call you know what what you would call a holistic approach. So you're talking about the football side of it. You're talking about the the emotional intelligence side of it, um, and and also uh, battle testing them. You know, so our practices and sessions probably need to be harder than the games most of the time. So once they get into a game, if they are prepared, um, and they and they they're they feel worthy which is incredibly important that the child feels worthy as a person uh and they're prepared they're dangerous that's a dangerous kid there you know a kid that's prepared and and he feels uh worthy to be good because there's a lot of kids that uh they don't they're they're, str- they're confident struggle because they're not sure that they're worth uh that they're and that's uh and that's something that we have really have to watch for because we live in such a negative world and negative negativity is cast on us right so trying to find ways to really combat that for the players and teach them how to address those address those things in a positive way
0: you talked about self-talk and uh dealing with negativity do you remember how you used to deal with it as a player yeah
1: yeah, man, like this, I think we would go back to the proverbial, like, if I knew now, you know, if I knew then what I knew now, oh, goodness gracious, I wish that I did. Um, Yeah, I don't know that I was very good at self-talk, you know, and I and I think that that ended up later on down the road when things got way more serious, you know, and there's pressure involved, money involved, you know, a spot involved, um, and so many things involved that's Tools that I didn't, that I wasn't uh, equipped with, that I that I that I wish that I had. Um, so I remember attempting as a kid attempting visualization, not really knowing what I was doing, you know, but trying to visualize. I would heard it somewhere; somebody had told me it's a good idea to do this. Um, but uh, but yeah, not really knowing what I was doing. So like, this is something that I I, I, I have to admit I don't think that I was very good at as a child. And, you know, and I wish that, uh, wish, wish that I had known about earlier.
0: When you did attempt it, not knowing what you're doing, like, yeah. do you remember what you yeah. did
1: exactly? Like- sure, 100%. So I remember for me personally, it was in my bed before I went to sleep and, uh, and I would just visualize me playing, okay? So I would visualize, and I had to be careful because, you know, sometimes you visualize uh, missing shots. So I don't want to visualize that, at least at the time I didn't. Um, but I would visualize shooting and the ball going in. I just always wanted to visualize the ball hitting the net. That's one of the big things, the ball hitting the net, bending it around or doing the move. So I would visualize these things happening over and over and over again. That was positive. Where I felt like I struggled a bit was when the ball in my mind didn't hit the net or when I missed and it hit the crossbar. Because these things would pop in my mind too. So – Now that I know those were great opportunities for me to, to practice. How will you handle that? You know, what type of self-talk are you going to give when it misses? You know, and that's something that I didn't understand it then. I just try to force myself only to think of the good rather than embracing uh, the, the potential bad outcome as an opportunity to, to practice positive self-talk. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, Did you, when you were visualizing those things, were you remembering times or were you creating new,
1: new situations? So creating new situations and, you know, uh, uh, in, the, in the times I was creating new situations, if I could go back, I definitely would have referenced uh, positive times, things that I had done well and a great goal because I think that that's then reinforcing the fact you can do this, you've already done this, you can do this again. Um, but at the time, no, I mean, I was just trying to, uh, go through scenarios and, and, you know, and just kind of making it up as I went.
0: So I think that's a great thing to point out to, to listeners, um, who might have kids that they're trying to teach is, um, to be, you know, to not only imagine situations, but also to remember previous positive, um, you know, things they've done. And then, like you said, what you forgot to do is. Imagine yourself missing and how are you going to deal with that? Imagine yourself, you know, losing, but for the soul, like you want to visualize yourself winning, but you also want to problem solve when you do, you know, have a negative thing happen. And you can practice that in your mind before it actually happens. So when it does happen, your mind already knows I've seen this before. I don't know what percent. to
1: do. Yep, absolutely. 100 percent 100 those are those are just absolutely uh i don't know that they i don't think that you could say which is more important the actual training preparation or the mental preparation i mean they have to be fairly equal i mean or pretty close you know what i mean it's just because your, your your mind can sabotage you can sabotage you um, and unfortunately, that's uh, that's something that we we don't always do the best job of our of equipping our kids uh, on on those uh, emotional intelligence type of skills.
0: Right, definitely uh, room for for improvement everywhere um, yep. in this field. I believe um, that's a big reason why I'm doing this podcast is to yeah, to, it's gr- to great get idea. different different perspectives on how everyone does it and you know, mm-hmm. get kids were involved in it um I thought of something and it just left me Uh, let's talk about the the culture you're you're building at Mm -hmm. Tulsa Soccer Club
1: yeah well I mean to be fair the culture already exists in many ways just in terms of you know uh you know it's it's pretty much you know it's a nationally recognized I, I believe you know it's a nationally recognized club um, they've already had a lot of success. Um, they had a success when, you know, when I was first with them, and, and they've had success since I, since I left and came back. Um, so, you know, firstly, they've got a, a lot of great coaches, uh, uh, a lot of great players, very committed families, great leadership. Um, the owners really trying to, you know, uh, maneuver things uh, in a positive way for the city. And, you know, that's something that I really wanted to be part of in terms of the culture uh for me i would say maybe it's a hypothetical what i would like to see taking place uh you know uh is because i'm just getting started you know so i would say what i what i'm hoping that we can implement is a culture of creativity um a culture of uh, accountability um a culture of, of you know maybe sounding cliche but dreams can come true you know what I mean? Like, uh, I think we spend a whole lot of time in our game or as uh, whatever, you know, in, in sports talking about the, you know, how few kids actually make it. You know, we talk about the 1% or the 5%. You know, I I I, I try to be a little bit more, uh, you know, glass half full and say, for me, I think that there's real reasons why only 1% to 5% make it. And I think those are all correctable Things, if you want to be into that top five percent, well, then we have to do these things. So uh, for me, it's not a anything that's that's so far out of reach. And what I'd like to do is just instill that belief, you know, across across the city, really, but it, it definitely across our club, from the little ones all the way up, having a belief that yes, you can, and yes, it's going to be hard, and but this is what we're going to do, and this is how you're going to do that. So I would just say the culture's uh, f- freedom of expression. Being tough as absolute nails being be- beasts, freedom of expression, tough as nails, uh, accountability and, uh, and, a, and a belief and a belief that they can actually do this at a high level. How do you get to buy into that belief? How?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um, I mean, again, I think preparation is a big deal, you know, so make sure that they're prepared. Okay. So don't lie to these kids. You know, you don't have, you're going to tell them that, you know, you can do this and they're not prepared because at that point, once they're not prepared, they can't do it, you know? So it's important to be realistic. And, uh, number one is prepare the kids. If the kids are prepared, then you can say, now, if this is what you want to do, this is what you're going to have to do. Um, but you can a thousand percent do it. Um, and we're starting to to get into the, to the point now where we have, uh, there's so many opportunities for these kids to pursue the game. Um, if they do it right, uh, you know, I think the first thing, if we want the kids to believe, we better believe. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that, hopefully that comes off with the kids that I come into contact with, that I believe that they can, you know, I don't, I'm not going tell them it's going to be easy, but I believe that they can achieve if they want to.
0: It's kind of like a trickle down
1: effect. I believe so. It's a contagious. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're and you're absolutely right. If they are prepared, and they, you know, here's the here's what it's going to take to get there. It's not going to be easy, but if that's what you want, here's what you got to do.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So that give them give them the tools, help them set goals, and uh, and then support them through the goal setting process and then the actual uh, execution of those goals. So yeah. Tell me more about goal setting and how you approach goal setting. For me or for the. For like players or both for you personally. And then for your teams. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Great question. So uh, for me personally, um, my goals would be very simple uh, because I'm going to set a goal every day. So my goal is basically every day just to get better. So, if uh, you know, that means whatever that means, like uh, maybe it's watching a game, maybe it's, Reading an article on something that I'm not completely clear on. Maybe it's uh, running a session that is completely opposite of what I believe in. So something completely different where uh, where I can really test my own personal theories. You know, Uh, uh, maybe it's uh, yeah, maybe it's you know I I don't know. Just whatever it takes for that day uh, to get better you know, uh, trying to consciously pursue that, trying to consciously pursue something that's better than I was yesterday. Um, in terms of like short-term goals. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. yeah.
0: I have to tell, to like that mindset you just talked about is phenomenal. I mean, you have 360 different things you're going to improve on that year. If you do one thing a day, like you're talking about, like, you're definitely going to grow and not you know not plateau um and just having that mindset like I know I could use that for for you know work for for everything just i mean it's not hard to do it's one thing a day, but it is huge
1: yeah I think uh <clears throat> one thing that's helpful is like um you know i am i would say that I am obsessed with it you know what I mean like I'm obsessed with uh, you know just getting better because I just love the game you know I want to understand things that I don't understand you know I want to be able to uh, support my beliefs you know and I ultimately I want to be of service to my players I want to be of the best possible service to the kids that I come into contact with as I possibly can and there's no way that I can again like we went going back to confidence there's no way that I can confidently approach a player if I'm unprepared um and so that really really drives me you know and uh fortunately I, I love it you know so if i'm reading it i'm interested in it most of the time you know and if uh you know if i'm watching it you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm enjoying it most of the time you know so it's, it goes hand, hand in hand yeah okay and then
0: you're gonna say yeah.
1: yeah so like uh short-term goals so i would say my theory on short-term goal setting is this if I set a goal, <clears throat> um, I'm going to go after whatever that is very aggressively, um, uh, you know, and I try to knock it out very quickly. So, I, I, you know, how life is, man, life can get in the way quickly. Things can change quickly and, and you want to do something desperately bad and you put it off, something pops up. You know, where something changes or you, you don't have the opportunity anymore. So when I have an idea or I see something, like I really go after it, go after it very, very hard. Um, and, uh, you know, that's worked for me, you know, and basically, uh, you know, I, I feel like if, if we're, you know, if the things that we're pursuing are positive things, uh, they're always going to be useful, you know, um, so I'll find a way. I just try to really find a way to make that happen. You know, I try to instill the same thing in my players, you know, get it. If you've got a goal, don't, don't, don't sit on it. Um, you know, find a way to, to make a baby step towards getting it all the time. Or just take it right away. If it's mm-hmm. possible, just absolutely grab it, snatch it. So if it's possible,
0: yeah. Yeah, and baby steps is, is I mean, it's huge because that's a huge step. is just a bunch of little baby steps.
1: Mm-hmm. True. Yep, 100%. Yeah. Um,
0: what advice would you give to kids that are, you know, um,
1: 12
0: to 18 who um, are so obsessed with the game, that's all they want to do, and it's really hard for them to focus and do their school work when all they want to do is play?
1: <laughs> yeah wow to be 12 again uh what would I tell them first of all look the school is you if 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 soccer is their main objective right I would try to help them make relationships between football or soccer and school so I mean one the easiest thing is going to be like if you're trying to go play uh if you're trying to go play in college I mean school is a It's not it's not even a negotiation. It's not negotiable. So you have to have grades. So focus on school. You know, there's going to be time to play football or, you know, you know, after school or, or, you know, between classes or at recess. But you have to focus on school. You know, school has to be up there for those ages, Uh, especially at 12. It's a little bit more difficult when you start getting into 15 years old and those and some of these players are thinking about leaving the country. Uh, and uh and pursuing their you know pursuing their goals in that way but uh if you 're an american player, <clears throat> school has to be an absolute priority um, because you just don't know i mean life life you know life happens man, and you just uh you never know if the game's going to be taken away from you and you just have to <clears throat> have a have a plan and also to to be well rounded you know uh you know, you, you don't want to, to be a, a one trick pony, so to speak. And if you're, you know, if, if physically your, your sport is soccer, that doesn't mean what, all you have to be as a person, as a soccer player. So, I mean, you, you want to make sure that the, the child is understanding early, like diversify the way you think, you know, and don't limit who you are as a person to a footballer. Because, uh, you know, there's a whole lot more things out there. And if you want to pursue football, pursue it by all means, as far as, as hard as you can, but don't neglect family, don't neglect education, you know, n- don't neglect those things because you don't have to. There's plenty of hours in the day to do both.
0: Good point. Good point. I know me when I was that age, that's like all I wanted to do and I had a real, real hard time staying focused on
1: <laughs> I'm sure for, you were probably the same way. A, th- a thousand percent. A
0: thousand percent. Yeah. Um, let's talk about having fun and training. How do you keep things more more fun?
1: <clears throat> so, say, how would I keep things fun? <clears throat> um, that's an interesting question, man. Like, I think uh, <clears throat> for me, my definition of fun is not everyone else's definition of fun. Let's start with that. So, like, for me, my definition of fun is going to be a million miles an hour, high intensity, high expectations, um, players sliding around, hitting each other hard, high fives. So somebody that walks – like, let's just say you walk up to a session and you, you'd you be like, oh, my gosh, are all these players mad at each other? You know, is the coach upset? Who are these – you know, these guys are really getting after it. But, no, just like that's just – that's our form of fun. You know what I mean? Like we're out there competing and it's just competitors competing, you know, that's all it is to us. And and that's our form of fun. That's the, that's the sisterhood or the brotherhood or the camaraderie is actually testing ourselves at training. So one setting that expectation of elite in all things is fun. Okay. So that's an acquired taste. So when you can get a player to buy into that definition of fun, as opposed to uh, an unpredictive definition of fun, you're getting close to preparing that child for a life. So if the, child, if the child sees something being done halfway and it turns them off, now we're getting somewhere. If the child sees other players screwing around at practice and it, and it upsets them, now we're getting somewhere. And now can we take it a step further? Can that child now correct those other players? Can they hold each other accountable? Do they hold themselves accountable? So uh, those would be number one, an environment of, uh, of productive fun, I would call mm-hmm. it, productive fun. Uh, the other thing is, to just simple things like competition. There has to be competition in everything. Kids play sports to compete. Uh, so we don't want to take that away from them and say, oh, we're not keeping score. We're always keeping score. Everything is a competition. Now, it's not the end of the world if you lose the game. So we're trying to teach them to cope with those things, too. But we are out there to win, whatever win means. You know, if win means uh, doing your best, you won. You, win, you lost 5 nothing. Well, in many ways, you might have won. Did you learn anything? So teaching them to understand you are always competing, first and foremost, with yourself. But be the type of person that's going to allow uh, your teammates that are around you to compete with you because now you're going to make them better. And the other thing would be incentivizing things, contests, videos, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, points, lots, we give lots of points away. So, like, that the kids love that, well, no matter what age it is, you know, 50 points for a goal, you know, you know. 10 points for a move, you know, 10 pass combination is X, execute this. And it's a hundred points, you know, when we're excessive with the points, you know, it's not one point for this or five we're talking about, These players are making millions of points a year. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, it's just that type of an environment where it is extremely intense, but there's also a lot of positive reinforcement. When players get too far away from, like, what our expectation is, we're quickly bringing them back into the fold and saying this is who we are. So it's a lot of freedom within a very very defined blueprint. So –
0: so you, uh, I think there's a term for that called gamify. To
1: uh, I love know, that the points thing. Um, <laughs> love that gamify. There's,
0: yeah, um, I'll use that. I think there's even a a website. I'll send it to you later. It's like yeah, please. It's uh, something they used to like. If you clean your room, then you get this many points. Or, yeah, like you, you, and it's customizable. So you can set up for anything. So you can set up for.
1: Here's here's the deal with that. <clears throat> Let's say right. Let's say me and you play on two different teams, right? And your team is amazing. You guys win every game, okay? And, uh, and it's easy for you to quantify. Well, it may, be, <clears throat> it may be a little bit skewed, but there's in many ways, it would be easy for you to quantify your level of success because your team always wins, okay? Now, it's, it's, that would be... <clears throat> Probably not very accurate because it doesn't say what you did as a player, but you could say we win. That's great. What about the teams that don't lose every game? How do you quantify their success? So if we can somehow, even in the games, say, okay, these are your goals. You are going to get points for these five things. Well, coach, we lost 47 to nothing well you also got 47 points for three pass combinations you'll build out of the back six times that's 20 points you had four shots on target that's 10 points and now the players we we can switch we can completely have a game within a game and so the players can find success and have a and and, and enjoy and enjoy the game for the beautiful game that it is regardless of if they are losing or if they're winning now ultimately we want to win everyone wants to win that's the big big prize but uh but, yeah, that doesn't mean we have to sacrifice all the, the micro pieces that are in the game. You know, there's tons of stuff that we can, we can let the kids have a blast, win or lose.
0: Absolutely. And once they start winning those little games, the odds of them actually winning the game will there you start, go. start to there be. There you go. Yeah, nice. it's
1: not, yeah, it's not that. It's the, the, the space between doing the right things and, and legitimate success, it's not that. The gap's not that big.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? I've loved our, our conversation. This has been yeah. great. Um, yeah, I've I loved hearing hear about your philosophy, and uh, it's always just great to, to hang out with you. Yeah, you too, um, man.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> uh, no. You no, know, i just say, like, uh, keep up the good work. I love what you're doing. I think it is an absolutely fantastic idea. You know, somebody with your background in the game, you know, um and also with all the resources of all the people that you know and uh you know i I hope everybody takes advantage of what you're doing it's a great it's a great thing for these kids for the parents and the coaches too cool thank you thank you well john it's been
0: great uh have a great evening and uh maybe i'll have you on again soon
1: a later date thanks man i really appreciate it have a great one all right take care see see you buddy